Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. And my guest today is one of the future of email marketing people, key people, Lauren Meyer, chief marketing officer now, correct? At Socket Labs. That's correct. Yeah. Hey, Lauren, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Yay. We connected at last and you're headed to a summit to talk about things, deliverability and beyond. Like this is Deliverability and beyond, right? Uh, next week. Yes, I think <laughs> nailed the sentiment on that one pretty much perfectly. Yeah, so I think that's um, the, the, the the deliverability summit is happening right now live. That's right. And then the virtual event. Virtual event is, is uh, Tuesday, April. 5th. What do you think of the virtual event shift? Because I'm going to guess your life two and a half, three years ago involved more than a few airplanes and conferences and live interactions with people that you probably had worked with a bunch Having yes. your amazing track record in email. Do you miss it? I do and I don't. Um, I, I loved the travel that I did. Uh, the industry is awesome. And to your point, yeah, there's there's people that I got to see multiple times throughout the year in yeah. really awesome venues yeah. and places of the world. So yeah. that was great. I was working for you know a French-based ESP, so I've been to Paris literally more times than I can count. <laughs> so like it's it's just kind of awesome to have that experience as you're working and kind of getting to understand this world of email a little bit better and kind of navigate your way through it. So I think that was really awesome, really exciting. I learned a ton. Um, I grew so much confidence simply by the fact that I was a woman traveling alone. I mean, I've been to yeah. Bulgaria several times. I've been to all kinds of places all around Europe and, and you know, everywhere. Yeah, all, all kinds of places. Yeah. So it's, it's, that was really, really awesome. But now I've got kids that are about three and a half years old. I've been a, a um, set of twins, a boy and girl. Um, so it's really wonderful to be around and to help my wife with those twins. twins. <laughs> Baby. Oh my goodness. Uh, you said yes. Yeah. Three and what? Three and a half? And three, they're three and a half. Yeah. So it's uh, a boy and a girl. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's, um, it's wonderful. And, and it's, it's cool because it's like the day-to-day -day magic that I would miss when I was on the road for a week or two in the past. I just, I could never get those moments back. So I think it was like perfect timing for me specifically to just sort of like slow down. Um, I joined Kickbox kind of like right as the pandemic was starting. Like I think, you know, I, I went to MOG, um, that, that, that fateful, you know, San Francisco MOG right before everything changed. What was that? February of 2020. I was with Kickbox for about a year. And, and then I've been working for Socket Labs now for a year as well. And um, I haven't traveled for either of them. I haven't met either of my colleagues. And well, I did meet Kickbox um, once. I went to, to Dallas one time for one week with the team and then never saw them again. I was, wow. <laughs> was going to say, we got to put out, put, we have to do two markets. One is the commercial marker. Moment of silence for everyone who's sympathetic. Yeah, at, at, my God, you had traveled to Paris. Okay, that was short. Um, <laughs> Terrible. No, deliverability that. summit that you're attending virtually. I, mm -hmm. I remember distinctly that the summit that that same company was putting on had to pivot on a week's notice or something like that. And Andrew Zelli had to pivot on a week's notice to go virtual because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I think what's cool is I believe they were already planning for it to be a hybrid event anyway. Yeah, so it's it great that they had all that technology already in place and they kind of could just really lean heavily into it because, yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people that were planning to attend and kind of had to cancel their trips last minute because <laughs> just, and it was like the whole, will we, won't we? And we yeah. feel like we should go, but then we also feel like we shouldn't get all go. Like, you know, it's such a, yeah, such a strange time. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. And it's it's fun to be talking about, you know, sort of coming off, coming off of the thing, but we're only now starting to wrestle with what adjustments and changes will we keep, you know, what, what, what things will we not go back to? Cause it's a pretty darn long list of those things. Yeah, and, sure. and a yep. lot more positives 
not always easy to appreciate at the moment, but your example of, of, of being able to spend more time with kids is like, yay, good, wonderful. Yeah. I don't see yes. loss there. Yeah. You're good there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's great when you've got overlapping events. And in the past, you would have had to say, oh, I'm sorry and kind of pick and choose. Whereas now you could do them to put hypothetically like back to back. Um, you could do them in your sweatpants if you want to, whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever works for you. It's it's a cool time in that sense of just yeah. you know, being able to kind of have accessibility for a greater number of people throughout the industry that didn't get to travel before. You know, I was fortunate enough to do it, but a lot of others in my company and in companies that I knew of really scraping to try to get that one seat for their company or, you know, the two seats or whatever it was to, to yeah. actually go to photo conference. So, well, and when you're, when you're, particularly if you're vendor side, which is fair to describe Socket Labs campaign, yeah, James, sure. vendor side, like it's, a, it's a genuine budget <clears throat> consideration, especially when you get just getting rolling for sure. to go to events. And then there's always someone going, Oh, sponsor, like send us a large amount of money for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really disheartening when you're like, that's, that's literally my entire year budget that you're asking for. You don't realize that it is. And it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Right. And it's tough to know with that, with that, the kind of experience you've got, you're probably, I'm sure you're a lot better at it. It's like, what's going to work? Cause you don't know. Like, yeah. and sometimes one random pardon me, random ass conversation, you know, like makes the whole thing worthwhile, but you can't guarantee they're going to happen either. It does. And I think that's, that's one of those where it is almost just that, like, you got to follow your intuition. You got to learn from what, what worked or didn't work in the past, but then it's also kind of just, you know, sort of showing up and, and being there in whatever way you can. And, and just sort of when you can't be, so be supportive of that event and the people that are going and stuff. And I don't know, just, just doing your best to so stay best. involved and keep learning. And and you successfully migrated from booth duty to the public stage, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I did. Yes, I was living uh, very, very deep in the trenches for quite a long time, I guess you could say. So, um, yeah. And then I think it was just one of those, I, you know, MailChat was a really great turning point in my life. Yep. Um, at, you know, just that the travel was wonderful, but the people um, and, and just yeah, having that opportunity to sort of get exposure to our leadership team. Eventually, they, you know, a couple months in, they kind of actually added me to the leadership team. So I got to go and be in those meetings as well and just like really kind of help shape the company, um, but then get opportunities to do some guest blogging and to go to events and maybe not be the person that was on stage, but like have conversations after the fact in the hallways or, um, you know, just kind of learn from those people or ask follow-up questions in, a, in sort of like a safe space because it's just the two of you sitting there at lunch awkwardly wondering what to talk about, right? So um, yeah, so I think it was, it was just really, really kind of fun to sort of move my way up and just, you, you just keep learning, right? It's like one pebble here, one one passion there, one person you meet over here that just has a need for something and you've got a, um, an ability to fill that need or to help them out and, and you just kind of see where things go, right? So now, um, with, with uh, young Lauren kicking around the the leafy campus of Robert Morris have expected to be where you are now? I don't think so. No, so <laughs> I am born and raised in Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm from like Hershey, Pennsylvania, East Coast, Pennsylvania, um, Central, I guess you could say. Um, and then went to college in Pittsburgh, right? So it's like I was there, um, just kind of stayed local. I played soccer, so we were a Division One soccer team. Oh, wow. and so I, okay. I, you know, I played soccer, so yeah, we had that experience, and I got to travel. But it was like you know, we we actually had a couple of games where we were we spent a weekend in New York City in between, and it was like just the overwhelm of the subway, and we were walking everywhere, and it was just like so much. And I just remember being like this is cool, but like, wow, this is like a one-time experience I'll never have again. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, it was like, well, um, I'm kind of bored living where I live. So like, let's go somewhere. And then of course I, I had a cousin who lived in New York City. So that was 
awesome enough for me to be able to, to kind of crash on her couch for three months while I figured out my life and <laughs> all that good stuff. And you're and then, West Coast too? Uh, yeah. So I, I actually ended up spending like 15 years in New York City, even though I thought it would be, you know, oh, wow. free and then move on. Yeah. So 15 years, a good solid chunk of my life. And then um, when the kids kind of got a little older and my wife was sort of itching to go move back closer to her family, we were like, let's go. And um, we moved like the end of January, 2019. So it was like, you know, the mail, mail jet had just been acquired by mail done. And so kind of my, my, my professional life was changing. Yeah. My wife was like, well, let's get out of here. Time to go. Like we've been waiting for your work to kind of figure this out. So like, yeah. let's go. So yeah. we did. And then, you know, six weeks later, um, things changed. So it was really nice to have so much more space. I mean, like literally quadruple the space for less cost, even though California is quite expensive still, but yeah, I do wonder as a sidebar, but I, I do wonder and take my hat off to the folks that survived the lock-in part of the pandemic in TNS yeah. apartment spaces in cities because I got a little room to kick around and I wouldn't have made it otherwise. It's, oh. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, I have friends who still live there and it was like, you know, some of them were walking from the Upper West Side to Lower West Side to go to work. So like two to three hours of walking each way, trying to avoid the subway, like doing, I had other people that were working in digital, you know, digital um industry. So they were kind of like, yeah, I pretty much just work from home now. I don't really go to the bars anymore, but it's like, how can you, you're just bumping into people walking out your front door. So it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I had some of the friends who moved out of the city as well because. Yeah. I was going to ask you because I, yeah. my sense, I mean, I'm, I'm across the country from, mm -hmm. uh, from the city, from Manhattan as well, but my sense is it's a very different place right now. It absolutely is. And that's, that's the thing. I think it's, you know, it's kind of had these waves where it's coming back. So there's still are wonderful things to enjoy, but it's one of those, it's just, you know, for me, it was going to concerts, being surrounded by a ton of people, going to bars, going to restaurants, like everything was just surrounded. And it's just yeah. my friends all, well, a lot of them kind of ended up moving away because they're like, it's just, we're paying for paying for all of that, but we yeah. don't even yeah. want to do that. If it's available, it's just sort of kind of, it's a completely different experience. So. Yeah. I, I talked with one, uh, one Ted who's a, low type journalist in the email space and near the beginning of this. And he, he was telling me that he, what he's sold outside of Manhattan and, mm -hmm. and like used the rounding error to buy a place in West Virginia. It was, it was just like ridiculous. And I said, I'm gonna give you the phrase. It's called geo arbitrage. Welcome to geo arbitrage. Cause yes, it does yeah. work. Yeah. We're, we're, we're reinventing a bunch of stuff and your CEO, Tim Moore, who I had the opportunity to interview a month back, you got to onboard him virtually, right? <laughs> well, he onboarded me officially. So he oh, started okay. in December or November of, of uh, 2020, I yeah. would say. And then I started in March of 2021. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But that was just a very fun conversation where it was kind of just like a, hey, I've been seeing what you're doing on LinkedIn. Things are going really well, like really awesome. And um, and then it was kind of like a, well, you know, if, you know, and I was like, oh, that'd be so fun to, you know, keep doing more marketing and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, now that you mention it, do you have time for a conversation? And then it was kind of like, well, I might be a CEO of somewhere soon. And if so, would you want to come work for me? And I was like, oh, nice. Yes. Uh, yes. That'd be wonderful. Yes. So, um, yeah, so it's a, a pretty awesome opportunity. I think he's, he's really trying to, and we are succeeding at it because it's just every, every month I feel like we're adding someone new in that sense, but it's like, we're just trying to grow people that are hardcore live and die email delivery infrastructure and deliverability people. And so it's like one of those, like for me, I am about the farthest you can get from a CMO. It, you know, it's like, I'm the person who used to say no to all the sales contracts when they didn't smell like a rose, right? Like I'm the person, you know, I, I, I was the compliance person. So it's, um, you know, obviously I'm never going to be the person that purchases a list. I'm not 
as strong and, and outbound as probably some of my, my counterparts are. But I think that's where it, it's this idea that like we're we're all just we want to do right by email. Right. So we want to give everybody like, this awesome email experience, but also like that mog mentality of like the anti-abuse side of it, of not just saying yes to every customer, of kind of really walking that fine line of like doing right by mailbox providers as well as the recipients, right? So I think that's, yeah. um, you know, we're just, we're growing all these people where it's, you know, Tim is is an email nerd and uh, we've got Brandon as our CRO, he's an email nerd. And we've got Mike Hilliard, he's a CPO, he's an email nerd. We've got Lewis, we've got Brian, we've got Skyler is our, our head of um, people operations at this point, as well as doing product management. So it's like, we've just got these people who have this like just deep love and passion for email, but like, <laughs> but they're just doing kind of other other things. Like they're moving on to kind of other fields that, that have always interest them um, and that they have strong skill sets for, but just it's never been there. Like we've all kind of just lived in the trenches for a lot of our lives. So it's- Well, it's, you, you, you uh, lived, you could, you're kind of burying the lead there. You, uh, you, you, you came through a, a very detailed data-driven technical path and now you're wearing a marketing hat. And I would argue that's a relatively unusual thing. Yes, I, I would 100% agree. I do not think that I am the right CMO for a lot of businesses, probably. <laughs> um, but I think that's where we, we live with an email, right? So it, it's more, yeah. um, you, you need to understand your audience. I think you need to understand what your your mission is. And our mission is not just to make a bunch of money and help people send a ton of email. I mean, yes, of course, that's part of it. But it, it really is more just, again, doing right by email. So it's like we're trying to build something. So Tim's pitch to me wasn't just, hey, come be the CMO, because that was frankly, intimidating as hell. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not as qualified as I, as I would like to be for that role compared to other roles I've had in my past. Um, but part of the pitch was like, we're building something that we wish we had back in the day. We're building something okay. that like, nice. we want it, you know, we want to make this easier for people. We want people to do email the right way. And that just really kind of resonated with me. And so it's yeah. one of those, like, I just, it was like almost, it just became harder and harder to say no as we continued talking. And I was just like, well, I think I'm doing this. And my wife was like, are you sure you can handle the stress of that? That's like a big upgrade, right? Like, you know, and I was just like, I think, yes, but I, I want to try because it's really, it's so exciting. And it's just like, you can feel the passion in all of us. Like when we get together, we've got these strategy sessions and sometimes they go down a rabbit hole that they should never, ever go down. <laughs> um, and we kind of have to like, you know, back it up and be like, guys, like, what do people actually need in the market? Not just what do we want to build because we're nerds, but like, it's it's really cool because you can feel the energy and you can feel the push and pull of, well, but this is my experience. And my experience tells me not to do this. And then someone says, but my experience tells me that we can if we do it differently. And so it's it's just really cool because it sounds like we're sort of just like iterating on top of each other. And, you know, and, and there's the respect because we've all been there. We've all done this stuff. Right, right. But there's also just this like, okay, but like, I want to be the smartest person. I want us to go with my idea, not your idea. So there's there's kind of like this like fun competition as well. <laughs> We all just, yeah, we're just kind of supremely nerding out at work, which is There's some humiliation yeah. to that, but uh, having worked at large software organizations in my past, where fairly or unfairly, you didn't always expect the marketing people that really know how the heck that thing worked. Agreed. It's got to be enormously refreshing for your colleagues to go, oh, our marketing, she knows this stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. I will say you would be surprised how often even I stumble upon something that's incorrect. And they're like, don't you mean this, Lauren? And I'm like, yeah, totally. That's what I mean. I, yeah, I know this stuff just as well as you do now. Still, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm like losing my deliverability chops slightly. Oh, uh, yeah. I was gonna, man, yeah. Yeah, well, no, it's too complex, right? <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't need, I still can't get the word out deliverability, but it's yeah. not a word you run into a lot if you're not in the email space and it's starting to get a glimpse of how freaking technical and complex 
yeah. the actual uh, uh, flying of billions of emails around the globe every day is. You start For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, it's, it is interesting because I've worked at a couple of really big companies as well. You know, Epsilon was one of them that yeah. at the time was owned by Alliance Data. And it was like, their whole pitch was like, we're, you know, the biggest company you've never heard of, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like, I've never heard of you. Right. So yeah. Okay. So, um, but, but yeah, and they had a ton of really awesome, huge clients and my role was just so specific. And I learned a ton because I had a really awesome manager, John Stevenson, who still works there now. I think he left for a while and he came back, but he just really like just, it was, he'd call me from the West coast. I was on the East coast and it would just be like, so today let's talk about SPF. And he would just give me this like really deep history that I had not gotten in my previous experiences, even though I was pretty deep into email at that point. So it was just like this really awesome foundation. So it's like, I have a special manager who, who really kind of pulled me along and taught me some stuff. But sometimes in those big companies, you sort of just get like lost and, and you're just, you're this one little puzzle piece and you want to do so much more, but like ultimately your job is to pass it off to the next person. And then they kind of, it's like this layering effect. And so like, I feel like that's where, you know, with these smaller companies, then it's like, you, yeah, there, there's this fine line. Cause like now, I, you know, we've, we've got only 36 people at Socket Labs. I think MailJet, when I started, we were around 150 and grew to maybe 250 or 300 by the end. And it was just, you know, before we got acquired by uh, Mailgun. And it's just like the, the, the difference in the amount of allies you have who understand what you're doing <laughs> versus if you're like, well, I'm the deliverability person. You're like, oh, so what do you know about deliverability? And they're like, nothing. I'm the closest to email. I don't even know about email, right? And it's just this, they're, they're the closest to technology within their their organization in some places. Um, and so, yeah, like regardless of what company you're working for, sometimes you really just, yeah, you've got you to work hard to, to find answers and stuff. So I think that's, I don't know. I, I feel like our email, our industry is very special in that sense because everyone shares, right? Like yes, have all these. Yes, yeah, and um, you're absolutely right. The industry being special. Do you by chance know uh, Samantha Iodici? Um, I know of her. I can't say I've ever actually had the pleasure. I had the opportunity to have her on as a podcast guest. She works in the email space as well, but Mm -hmm. she had this great story about a manager early in her career. I think she said she was essentially an administrative assistant or something. And the manager's like, you got, you got a lot of mojo. Let me help you. Mm -hmm. And really launched her career. It sounds like you had one of those. And the reflection that that can make is, is lifelong. It's so huge. And that's, you know, I got to go to a couple of mogs while I was set up selling as yeah. well. But like, that's where, you know, John was teaching me things and he was you know, introducing me to people. And that's where, you know, he had, I think, um, like Kirstie Esparza is another person that John had managed over the years. And so John's whole, you know, John, you're going to kill me for saying this, but it's the, if you're listening, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and his whole thing was like, you know, I've got all these people that that reported to me and now they're like doing better than I am. Like, I'm still here. And I'm like, John, you're awesome though. Like your job is important to your role. And like you're, you're just continuing to grow all these new people in the industry. So I think I'm sure I'm confident he's still like a great ma- mentor to whoever's over there. So it's. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like it's in the bone for someone who takes that kind of. It is. Yeah. That kind of time. Right. And, and, and has that kind of long-term impact. Yeah. So you, you've got this arc from sort of deliverability and beyond as I was, I was joking and, and yet you're going to go huddle with a bunch of deliverability geeks next week. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. And I think that's, um, it's, there's so many different, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, you know, if you're in a MOG session, right? Like if you go to an open round table, if anybody's ever been a part of that, that those conferences or any conference, to be honest, you've got those people that only speak in like RFCs and very technical language. Then you have people that are like there for the first time and they don't really know what they're doing and they're trying to learn and everything in between. And so I feel like Andrew's conferences tend to do a really job, good job of like kind of 
bridging that gap where there's like sessions that are kind of like very 101, but then they get into like, hey, now we're going to talk about, you know, how to get along with block lists specifically for service providers. And so then you know that the audience is meant to be a little bit more technical and a little bit more kind of deep in the weeds and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that I love about those events. I feel like Andrew does a pretty good job of like curating a lot of different perspectives. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 just kind of looking to nerd out as as a guest myself. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Reun- and probably get I, I, to the extent you can have the informal social time on virtual events because it's different. It is. But to you know do some reconnecting, I'm going to guess with with other people that you haven't seen or haven't t- chatted with as much. Agreed. Yeah. And that's, it's so funny because there's sometimes we're like, we'll just be chatting in like the, the group chat of the conference. And then there's other times where you just see someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I just saw you in the audience. Ah! And you're like, you know, kind of texting with them or messaging on Slack somewhere else or something. So it's, <laughs> it's weird how it hits you. There was one session where um, I think Matthew Vernat was, was speaking and I, I had like my second screen and his face was like as big as mine. And so I actually took a selfie of like, the two of us kind of like, hey, look at that. <laughs> you know, and I don't even know if I sent it to him because I didn't want to bother him while he was, you know, in live session or something. But it was just, it was like, it's nice to see faces that you know and connect yeah. with people. And yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting when I first go to my conference. Have you been to any, any uh, in-person events yourself? Uh, no, the first one I'm going to, it will be the um, the uh, EIS. Uh, ah, in Vegas. Yeah, in, Ve- in Vegas. Um, and, and, I had actually, I've worked in a lot of different industries and not all of them uh, have been that enjoyable. Um, so I kind of learned to loathe conferences as a general rule uh, <laughs> because they can, they can suck if the industry sucks. Like that's a succinct way to yeah. say it maybe, yep. but email space, as you said, quite special, quite, quite uh, uh, collegial and, and bonded and long-term relationships. So I really am looking forward, really looking forward. And me, me in Vegas, we're not the best of friends, but I'm really looking forward to that conference. Yeah, with your people, it's okay, right? You've got your your people, it's okay. Like, I'm just saying. ignore the Caesar's <laughs> Palace noise in the periphery because it just comes to the territory. No, it'll, it'll, it'll be huge. Uh, it'll be huge fun. And, you know, as someone who likes, who likes live, you know, live events, live speaking, live performances, stuff like that, it's not, it's not the same when it's mediated. It's just not, never will be. Yeah, it's very, very different. And it's one of those, in a way, I like it better because it's just me, myself, and, and well, a tons of takes, let's say, because there's definitely times where I'm like, la, 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 and then, like, I mess up or I realize my glasses have been on for five minutes and that's all wasted tape, right? And I'm so like, <laughs> and then I, like, flip out on myself and then I'm back to being nice on camera and everyone's like, I love your energy. And I'm like, I was miserable that day. This is, I can't believe this worked out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, in person, there's, like, that whole other pressure of just the social anxiety of it and like, what do you do? And so there, you just need to be kind of more comfortable, I think, with yourself and, and just like, you know, if, if you screw up, fine, just name it or, or ignore it or, or whatever you want to do, just <laughs> dignify it and move on. And, um, you know, but yeah, there, there definitely is a very different element to it than, than the virtual stuff. You know? Yeah. And that, that accidental bumping into so-and-so, the, un- the unintentional part of live conferences in some ways, mm-hmm. I think we're now seeing how valuable it was. I had a chance to interact with the uh, CEO of a local company here that's gotten quite big, a uh, big real estate, co- really big real estate company. But he built the company, quite a visionary, built the company with a sort of a second life looking virtual platform as the office. Like that was his vision from the get go. He's like, if, if, you're, if you're a real estate agent for 
blanking on the name of his company. It'll come to me in a second. It's not Remax. It's another one with a short, short, short initials, EXP, Glenn Sanford, EXP Realty. So they're all interacting, walking their little avatars around in, in, you know, pseudo 3D space on the screen. That's the office. But he, he gave me a call to ask about something and toured me through the office. Now I'm on my screen. He's on his. But one of the things that fascinated me about that little cartoony looking 3D space was the opportunity for accidents, right? You could see, oh, wait, hey, wait, that's Lauren sitting over there. I will walk over and say, hi, Lauren, and we might sit down and talk. And the 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 Zoom hop in current batch of uh, conference technologies, they got the speed dating functions and stuff like that but it doesn't quite have that same serendipitous thing going yet. Uh, totally agree. And I would even take it a step further of like, you know, okay, let's say that I, I, I know I want to connect with a certain person. I could find them perhaps even still if it's some kind of virtual thing. But I think the, my favorite part of, of going to the live events is actually when I do find one or two or three or, or whoever, the, the friendly faces that I know, and I'm going there because I'm like, I am just so stressed out talking to strangers. I feel so uncomfortable and, blah, blah, blah. and and I feel more comfortable around them. And then someone they know well will walk up and the three of us or the four of us will have a really good conversation. And then now I have a new friend or a new friendly face. And so it just, it's like, I was so intimidated by you, whoever you are. And now I'm not because I just had a normal conversation and I found out some really random and awesome fact about you owning a farm or you making your own maple syrup or doing whatever you do, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's the beauty of, of like growing your network through just, you, you have, you're friends with people that are like you and that they're, that are good people and that you gravitate towards. And then your group of those people grows exponentially when you're just given the space to kind of do it with it being very just kismet kind of thing. Right. So that's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when they're not so darned, in intention, external intention driven. Like I am yeah. going to hunt down so and so because I want to try and sell them widgets, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. It's a relationship. Right. Like there's always an agenda when it's online. Yeah. Whereas honestly, sometimes my agenda is actually how do I get out of this conversation because you're intimidating me as quickly as possible and not even in a bad way intimidating. Like you're just super smart and I feel like I'm not qualified to talk to you. Right. Whatever that looks like. Um that might be my motivation in that moment. But like yet somehow we connect in a way that then the next time I actually do need something or need some help or want to ask you a question, I feel more comfortable because there's like just this base relationship that just makes it feel less, less stressful. And in the long run, that's what makes the world go around and the agenda driven stuff comes and goes. And there are, yeah, it's one of the things I like about the space. So if you were talking to, you know, young you, you're, you're in women of email, I'm sure. I am. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, can't, so, admittedly not as active as, as many of the others, but, but I'm in it. <laughs> but it goes as well, depending on the the demands of the job, right? But which, if you're talking to a young, you know, new women of email member, like how do you help her in that scenario, understand how to sort of go along the path of deliverability and beyond? Yeah. Well, and I think this, it's much more than just deliverability. I would say it's like whatever, whatever role it is with email. Cause like that's where the beauty of email is also the fact that there's, there's like so many subsets of of specialties that are all super hard to learn. And so it's like, which ones do you want to learn and which ones complement each other and which, how many can you learn and, and how quickly can you learn them? Right. So I think it's like whatever you're, you're trying to do, I guess it's just like, be curious and, and like, also just don't be afraid to fail. Like, I think that's earlier in my career. It was like, I have to, I have to have all the answers and I need to reach out. And like, 
even if I want to escalate this to my boss, like I just need to like make him, I don't want him to think I'm stupid, you know? And, and so it's like, you know, having, I think it's, it's really hard to say, like, just surround yourself with good people. But I think that's where, you know, I've been in, in toxic situations at work where I didn't feel comfortable to ask questions. I didn't feel like I was growing. I had a manager that was too busy doing whatever they were doing. And it's kind of like, well, when I move up, you'll move up with me. And I'm like, but you're not trying to move up. You're playing on Facebook. All day. So like, I don't know how we're ever going to do this. Like I'm kind of stuck behind you. Right. So it, whatever that situation looks like, I think it's like trying to spot it more quickly. Like I had a, a certain job where I was there for four and a half years and I probably learned about two years worth of stuff. You know, it's like at some point I kind of plateaued and instead of, um, kind of just deciding that wasn't right for me. I was like, no, no, it's going to work. I'll just be naive and wait my turn and work really hard. And, uh, and that just wasn't right. So I think, you know, maybe it would just be continuing. Like, I, I don't want to just say lean in hard because in certain situations you're not able to, like I, I've had some managers who were kind of a terror. Like I had one who, if he didn't like what you said, um, not joking, you had to do wall sits in the meeting or go, uh, I don't know, sit in the corner facing the lobby in a glass window you just just things that are kind of and you're like but like really do I have to do that and if the answer is no you don't but like in that moment you feel like you do and so you know, I, I don't know so it, it's almost like trying to find ways to advance your career but not at the expense of your mental health and your yeah own growth and and confidence dignity and confidence stuff yeah like that. I I wonder what your perspective is because neither of us are millennials I'm not lumping us in the same generation, but neither of us are millennials. Right. And I, I've worked with them and I have friends, friends who runs com run companies with lots of, you know, you know, lots of millennial and like whatever the younger crew is now. And they'll comment on how different it is to work with them. I, and, and a mix of good and bad, a mix of challenging and, and huge opportunity at the same time. I have a hard time imagining millennials sticking around for go sit in the corner. They seem a lot more prone to go, you like, kiss my ass. I'll take the next job. Yeah. In, in fact, they, they, they left. Yeah. The ones that were younger kind of didn't stick around for that. They didn't put up with it. And that's where I kind of just sort of suffered through some of it and yeah. um, laughed along for a while and, and just tried to buddy up to that person and, and then realized that was even more toxic and in different ways and all kinds of, yeah. So just, you know, it's one of those, you need to, it's really hard when you're in it, I think, to, to recognize when people are, are sort of bad for you or toxic for you, but it's, especially if it's someone who's in your life daily and kind of just chips away at your confidence like that, that's really hard to overcome. It took me several, several years to overcome it. And it's like, thankfully, I just, something was going on that somebody reached out and recruited me um, to work at MailGen. And I was just kind of angry enough at work that I was like, well, I'll just, I'll have this conversation. And halfway through the conversation, I was like, am I actually interviewing right now? Oh my gosh, I'm really excited. Like I actually have skills that are relatable to this job. Huh? I did, I thought I was worthless. And it's like, no, you weren't worthless. You just have a manager, who, a manager's manager who doesn't believe in you. And so <laughs> uh, what do you do with that, right? If that person's telling you, I'll you know, stay here, I'll protect you. Don't take that job. What are you going to do if that VP of sales disagrees with you? And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll tell him I disagree with him and I'll work my way through it and we'll find a solution that's beneficial to both of us. I don't know. I'll figure it out is the answer. And, um, you know, so, so finding people, I think that, that aren't confident in you or don't believe in you or don't want to help raise you up or give you an opportunity to do anything, I think, um, just, just find somewhere else because there are definitely, you will find people, especially with an email, if that's what you're going for. And just, um, yeah, you know, figure, yeah, figure out, figure out what, what makes you happy and figure out people that are like-minded. 
And it's fun when you can land in a team. It sounds like you certainly have land in a, in a team where like everyone's pulling in the same direction and you really stop worrying, you worrying about the, the, the structural malfunctions. And I know it's easier at a small scale, to be fair. I know it's even yes. at a small yeah. scale. Um, there are high-performing, really big companies. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those, I almost, I, there's definitely challenges in small companies as well, obviously very different ones, but I think it's, for me, it's at least you get the ability to be nimble, to learn a lot, to fail fast kind of thing. Whereas in a bigger company, I almost, it almost I have this mental image of just kind of like where you're like, just to do anything, it's like turning the tent titanic around you know and you're you're just you, it, you, you're pulling so hard to get any little thing done because of all the approvals and all the steps and all the priorities within the company that that have to align for you to kind of get that thing done whereas in a smaller company there's there tends to be less red tape in that sense like if you're if you're on the same path with your people if you're on this you know if, if you're on the same mindset um you you can figure out what's most important to you guys for achieving your goals you know so that's that's been fun i think if we you know, I don't know that we, I don't know that we'll ever figure out how to scale, uh, how to scale organizations in terms of num number of, of people beyond those bumps. Some of them are inevitable. Some of them are just kind of hard stops in the way we're wired. I think, have you heard of Dunbar's number? No. This is a great one. Uh, I can't remember the guy's first name, Dunbar. 150, around 150. Mm -hmm. Dunbar made the observation that there's this natural size, you see it in tribes, you see it, et cetera. And it's, now it's called Dunbar's number around 150. That's about the number of relationships that you can essentially keep in your head and on the tip of your tongue. And when a company goes beyond Dunbar's number, you start getting, oh, I don't know him or her, or I don't know them. Yeah. And I remember reading years ago that, uh, uh, Gore, W.L. Gore as in Gore-Tex. Mm -hmm put that into the structure of their multifaceted business as a division grew. If it got bigger than 150, they'd split it up. Wow. That's makes baby businesses out of it to keep that we're all, we're all pulling the same direction because almost all of us know each other set of connections, yeah. which is such a, like, that's such a, a strong bonding thing. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's really interesting. I, I could see it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been at that tipping point in a couple of companies where it, you feel the difference, you feel the shift, feel that I, oh, well, I didn't get a chance to meet that person when they joined the company yeah. like I used to do with everybody and stuff. Yeah. And it, the, the dynamic shift and the, yeah, the quality of work kind of, it can get lost if you're, if you're not mindful of kind of well, pulling it back. You know? At the same time, you know, there, there are things that require more than one or two or, or 10 or a hundred to accomplish. I remember reading the quip about, I think it was the, the Navy was designed by geniuses to be run by idiots, I think was the quip, right? You get. <laughs> To go at a certain scale, you have to do a bunch of like process and, 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 uh, planning work so that the efforts of someone way down in the tree are actually helping move, move whatever the, the ball is. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not they know it. I just wonder in an age of knowledge work, if that's feasible. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. You know, it's so funny because, um. I don't like to, to use the word idiots or other words like that because it's all me, right? But like, but like in a way, it's kind of like, you know, like email for idiots, right? Email for dummies or whatever you want to say. It's it's um that idea that like we almost, we need to make email so simple <laughs> that, you know, it's like, it is so complex and it's, it truly is, you know, it's one of those, um, I was on a call this morning where they were talking about almost like the fact that there's just, there's not a lot of 
um, content out, you know, with the, the whole Apple MPP thing and the fact that, you know, ooh, we're spy pixels, we're tracking opens, all this stuff. It's so scary. Um, there really aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff written out there about the fact that it's not scary or that it's actually beneficial to you in certain ways because it helps with personalization or it helps you just have a better email experience. Like imagine you turn all that stuff off and all of a sudden you're really angry at that brand for being really bad at targeting to you because you don't realize that it's actually your fault. Like you're the one who turned off the tracking and now they have no idea what you like. So it's, it, you know, obviously there are ways for us to, to, to glean information just, you know, outside of the opens and things like that. But I, I feel like there's so much education that needs to be done to, to prove to people that it's not just, well, you, you, you create some pretty piece of content, you hit send, and then it magically goes to the inbox, right? I mean, like that's our entire, my entire business and my company is, is built around that, that, that like last yeah. mile of delivery, like literally the point from when you hit send, you think it's just a nanosecond and it's there, but it's like, there's this whole conversation happening and there's all this back and forth and there's all this data that's being passed around. And there's all these filters that just look like somebody rang a race with, with, you know, like little um, hurdles you have to jump over. It's just, it's all these, these different factors that matter. Um, people think it's really simple, but it's, it, it can be, that's the thing. It can be really simple until it's not. And it's like, once you kind of go off the rails, I think that's where, you know, it's like, wait, where do we, I guess it's, it's, it's interesting because like, where do you draw the line between what people want to know about email, what they need to know about email, you know, like, I think that's, that's, that's where I always get tripped up because it's like, you want to teach people to be better in email. But honestly, a lot of businesses, I've even talked to, you know, CIO, CTOs who are from very technical companies and they still don't really want to know how email works <laughs> or they don't know how their email program works. And, and that's okay because they're trusting other people to kind of do it. So I think that's like, it's just, yeah, it's tricky in all of these, you know, I think like Megan, um, from Pathwire is a person who does this really well for accessibility. So she's just been kind of like trying to break it down in a way that's just like, you know, accessibility, there's like a lot to think about and there's a lot to do and there's all these best practices even just there, but it's like, just think about it from the perspective of what matters, right? And so I think that's, I don't know, it's, it's you're trying kind of trying to like find people on the level of like what is going to help you sort of like just have a small enough impact <laughs> to, to like get through, to give somebody one or two tips that they can actually, you know, make action on. So I feel like that's, what well, I feed that one back to is in, in sort of a pragmatic sense. I see like email marketers, for example, who don't think they need to know anything about deliverability until they get bit in the ass by yeah. a big mistake. And then like, oh, I guess I should have some idea of, you know, at least the things I shouldn't do. So I don't get bit in the ass again by doing the wrong stuff, right? For example, yeah. so it actually does affect them farther up that that stack. Right. So, yeah. I, I think that's the trick is almost like it's like the chicken or the egg kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, ideally you shouldn't have to care about deliverability until you have a problem, but like all of the bricks that you're laying to hit the inbox are really hard to like, you, are you going to just knock down your house? So like I, I, how many times have you had a conversation with someone where they, you know, you, you give a recommendation and they say, well, we can't do that. That like breaks our entire business model or that's essential to our business model or we just can't develop that. That's not possible. And you're like, well, that's the thing that you need to do to fix your issue. Um, but but it's they they it, they're too far down the road kind of thing almost. So it's um, yeah, there needs to be just that basic level of understanding of like these are the things that really do matter, and here's why. Um, they well, have to be. They have to. Most be of us, most of us in technical fields, suck at explaining whatever it is we we actually understand. I'm honest. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. I used to explain other people's stuff for a living. 
and and like like say like you know this stuff, so you're gonna suck at explaining it. That's why you hired us, right? So you know, give me the brain dump and then get out of the way. And no, you don't get to test the script. Go yeah, uh, but it's because that uh, the 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 distinguishing the useful from what you know, right? The essential from that next layer up or sideways in 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 the uh, structure. From yeah, you've already got in your head. It's the curse of knowledge. It's the curse of knowledge. It's a very hard thing to get rid of. Well, and I think that's that's what's you know it's so interesting because just I mean going back to gosh talk about going back to the beginning of the pandemic wasn't two fifty okay acquired by validity let's say a month into in February let's say right or March March um and since then and you know Kickbox is one of them that I worked for everybody is kind of rushing to to release these deliverability monitoring tools but they all kind of still sort of work in the same way where it's like you, you kind of you need to know the context behind the tools so like if you can give me a really wonderful dashboard that shows me all the spam traps i'm hitting and gives me details to trace that breadcrumb back to the source and fix it but i need to know what that data even means and how i'm supposed to interpret it and then i need to pass it on to, to somebody in my organization who doesn't understand it even as well as i do and then they're going to interpret that graph completely different. So it's it's like it, that, I think that's the challenge. Is like the tools are there. There's tons of tools. There's one for literally every single budget. But it's just the 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 aspect that's really hard is the consultation that comes along with it. To say, you know, it's almost like that little paragraph at the top of the custom report that you get from every ESP is the most important part, right? <laughs> like that's the so what. That's what's telling you what you need to do or not do or what matters or what what's broken or you know, so I, I don't know. It's tough when, when you just have all these tools and you're not really sure what to do because you're not the person who understands this stuff. You're just being told, this is a great tool. This is a great solution. Oh, do seed testing. Oh, do panel data. Do yeah. whatever you need. Um, if you don't know what you're doing with it or if you don't know how it's built, it's, it's really challenging to, to know how to use it. It's kind of the, it's kind of the, uh, the Google and the doctor boundary, right? It's like someone goes and gets a bad report on X and they're going to come back into the next thing, having Googled blah, blah, blah. And the doctor's going to, thanks. I appreciate you finding that you don't have nine years of med school to make fricking sense of it. So leave the Google report at home. And like, there's a point where you go, trust me, because I actually do do this. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you're not going to fix it yourself or figure it out yourself. Like, yeah. So, and, and, and. I don't think that human uh, human uh, ability to put the puzzle together is going to disappear. Many of these equations, like, are there tools for X? Yes. Do they have their limits? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, Laura Atkins once referred to this. She was like, you know, like somebody was asking almost like, you know, is there a, a, a tool or is there a way to automate deliverability functions? And Laura's response was like, we're not fungible. Like that we are doing something that's very specific we're doing something that like, you know, it, it requires nuance and context. And we all know the favorite, you know, the favorite uh, industry phrase is it depends, but that's really true, right? Like it depends on the goals, the things you're doing, the way you're sending, the audience that you're sending to. That, it already you know, does. So many things. Yeah. All of it matters. And so it really is, um, it's not something that you can just automate away and just, just assume it's going to work. It really requires, like that's a, you know, you could have automation like that. You know, we've got some reporting internally and We've got people that are literally just kind of like tweaking and playing with our MTAs. Like they see something happen for one customer and they're like, oh, that's interesting. Let's build a custom rule for all of our customers that works to, to solve that, right? So it's like, we're doing certain things. And I think that's where you just, you need people that can use the tools, right? Like if you've got a Ferrari 
but it's a student driver and he's not allowed to go above 30 miles an hour. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you can do it with that car, buddy. Like, you know, like you're, that's not going to end well. So I think it, it really is just that, that pairing of like, pick, pick stuff, pick tools and technology that work for you, but like pair them with people who know how to use them. And, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, like, well, do you need more devs? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I'll take more devs. Like, why, why do you need more devs? What are you going to do with those devs? Like, what are you going to build? What are you trying to solve? What are you trying to, are you improving your deliverability issue? Are you trying to make more money? <laughs> are you trying to expand your audience? Like, what is your point? Um, let's talk about that first and then see if it matters that you're going to the spam folder at mail.ru when you send to three recipients in that country. <laughs> you know, so it's, um, the context is super important, I think. And that's, that's something that people oftentimes, unfortunately, don't get because they're trying to use self-service tools and make apples out of oranges on their own. So one of your challenges and opportunities in the hat, with the hat you're wearing now is to be on the, the other side of the selectivity equation and help, in, in this case, Socket Labs, mm -hmm. define you know, what needs to be clear and understood and explained. And, and Because you can't put it all in the marketing one pager. Right? <laughs> you can't. I tried. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah. You know, people are like, I understand it. Right. So you got you know, how to boil it down, simplify it and, and identify what's actionable if they do understand it and what's got, I'm sorry, it's got to stay behind the curtain. Right. Uh, talk to us. We'll help you with that. Yeah. And that line shifts all the time, of course. It does. Yeah. Not an easy job to, to peg that stuff down long enough for someone to, you know, to get and go, I should talk with you guys more because this sounds like, you know, my set of problems that you really get it. Very true. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it is. It is interesting when it's just, you know, the, the call, it's almost like one of those like choose your own adventure type of things where it's like, you know, based on your first answer, then go here and then do this. And, and like, you know, the same discovery call on paper is going to look way different in person when you actually get into people's issues and, and the, the way that their team structure is set up and the technology that they're using and, and all of it, right? And the goals that they have with email, all that good stuff. You're in a maze of twisty passages all like Yes. Oh, yes. As, it, as it started. Uh, what next for Socket Labs? Any big stuff on their horizon? Uh, yeah, we've got some stuff in the works. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's interesting because it's like, you know, we, we really are, are our business is kind of a lot like, you know, let's say send grid spark post mail gun, well, let's say before your indies were acquired and, and got acquired and acquired other companies and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's essentially, it is just that like last mile of delivery, but I think there's just so, and I know this is probably something Tim said as well, but it's like, we're trying to optimize the pipe, right? Like, I do think it's one of those, like everyone's kind of just been using like a dumb pipe all this time. And it's like, there's ways to optimize it, to just make it smarter. And it doesn't need to be something that's completely different. It just, it could be a mix of just having people who actually are paying attention and who care and tools that are geared around what actually is good for deliverability and for, you know, making the mail more consistent and more, I don't know, just, just more timely, right? Like we, we have a lot of customers that are transactional senders. And so it's, it's super important for that mail to be delivered right away. If it's even, you know, imagine I was trying to change a plate when I actually flew for the first time since the pandemic and, and my flight was canceled. Um, those three minutes that it took for a certain airline to deliver that password reset to my inbox were yeah. the longest three minutes of yeah. my life. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, it's super important. And I, so I think that's where we're trying to really optimize that last little bit of delivery of like, Hey, here, here's how you can change certain things and kind of tweak this specifically to your needs and to the, to the destinations you're sending to. And then again, just, just make, I mean, really make reporting a little bit easier. Like we're working on something that we're 
probably going to call guided reporting, but essentially it's just that of just, we found your issue or alerting you of your issue, but we're also landing you directly on what that issue is so that you can identify how to fix it. So it's like, it's helping you really just skip all of those hours of investigation of like, do I have a problem? I don't have time to investigate if I have a problem. I'll just wait until it gets really bad and somebody complains to me about it, right? So this just makes you much more proactive in that sense. So it's, we're basically just doing a lot of that. I'm trying to, to make it easier for the typical Joe Schmo to be able to send email, but then as your program gets much more complex and as you move into where you've got lots of sub-users or you've, you're an agency who's got 20 different, you know, um, customers, or if you're a service provider who's sending from one of our competitors right now, just making it easier for you to actually be able to send your mail and get the <laughs> clients' feedback to make sure that your shared pools are staying as pristine as they need to be. And just limiting the noise, <laughs> landing more on solutions and outcomes as, as opposed yeah. to just all the, the random data signals that are kind of floating around at this point. So, um, yeah. Is it, I know it's got to be daunting, but is it a bit fun to be kind of this scrappy, independent voice? Really? <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. I feel like I am, um, I am a bit of a troublemaker in that sense where it's like really fun. And I get these really crackpot ideas sometimes where I'm like, that could work or that could be a huge waste of time. So I think I feel like there's, there's this responsibility knowing that my team is, is much smaller than the other people. So our time is precious and, you know, so, so yeah, any, any misstep or, or mistake, or if you will, feels like a bigger one. So it's more just really trying to kind of like make sure I'm paying attention and following the industry and following the signals and the data and working with my team to really come together and like, just, just make it a team effort. And I think that's been really exciting because it's like, we're just, you know, a lot of us are doing this for the first time. And in terms of like being kind of the head of our department as opposed to just one of the, one of the geeks on the deliverability team. And so it's, it's, there was a little bit of that learning curve of just kind of like, all right, well, how do we, what are the priorities and who should be doing this and that? And ultimately it was a lot of kind of like that Spider-Man meme where it's like you pointing at me and me pointing at you, because it's like, we should be doing it together is the answer. It's not, it's not marketing's job. It's not product's job. It's both of our job along with the revenue marketing folks and, and Tim is our CEO. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, so that's cool. We definitely have that camaraderie. That camaraderie and cohesiveness is what gives you the option to react and pivot from, you know, it, we all make mistakes, right? You go, oh, we're on that direction. Okay. Right turn, go back that way. Right. If you're driving a really big bus, that's hard. <laughs> It's <laughs> a lot harder to do. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. which is, which is, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you can get spoiled at a small scale in some respects, right? Absolutely. Society sure. and that, uh, that, um, that ability to be decisive, which is kind of fun. Yeah, sure is. It's kind of fun. Well, we should hit wrap so that I can uh, get this as part of your 15 minutes of fame up into in the universe before the deliverability. <laughs> But thanks for arranging the, the call and the conversation. Yeah, so, thanks for It was as much fun as I expected it to be. Yeah, this was great. I mean, it's it's so funny. I will say you you intimidate me because I've just, I've seen you interview other people and you're you're awesome. Like, I just feel like you, you have a ton of knowledge. Like you just, you know a lot of stuff. You know, you know a lot of stuff, right? So, <laughs> so it's one of those like, yeah. And knowing your show is random, it's kind of one of those like, I, I don't know where this is going to go. So it's almost hard to prepare, but in a way that's good because- just the whole point yourself, that's all you need just yeah just just chat right just <laughs> <have fun> chat. <laughs> well it was a wonderful <laughs> chat thank you lauren yep thanks to you too here's our official wrap lauren meyer cmo socket labs catch her next week april 5th at the deliverability summit is that deliverability summit.com let me look up it is deliverability summit.com so there you go that yep that's it we're out <laughs>